this is not a revenge game, and that's not that's not what this is. We played a really good football game, uh, as did Utah up in Salt Lake. It was, it was a league college football game. Came down to, to one play here or there. Um, they got us that time. This is not about that game. This is a, a new game, a new challenge, a new setting. Teams have evolved. Both teams have changed, certainly throughout the year. So this, this is about that and obviously the opportunities that they have. Welcome in. It is always college football. Today is Thursday, December 1st. Welcome to December, everybody. Thanks for being with us. I'm Greg McElroy. We got Mark Kubiak. We got Jack Foster here. We're ready to talk a little ball with you today. Preview some of these championship games. Going to get into them with Krista Bear Felica. Hit some lines. Will revenge be a factor? According to Lincoln Riley, it won't be, but I happen to think it might be for sure. They lost to them earlier in the year. How is it not in the front of every Trojan fan's mind? Of course, they're thinking about revenge. Of course, they will go into that game as a fairly significant favorite. I know one guy in particular that might take the points. So we'll get into some of those things with Chris the Bear Felica, and we're going to give you a full preview of USC and Utah in our Pac-12 preview because some of you might not watch this show until tomorrow, maybe even tomorrow night. So we want to make sure that you have 24 hours to consume our USC and Utah preview leading up to the game that's coming up on Friday night. So without much further ado, let's dive in. It's Chris the Bear Felica. Do you have ambitious hiring goals for the last quarter of 2022? With a powerful hiring partner, big goals are no big deal. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. Indeed makes hiring all in one place so easy because it takes 10 minutes or less for most small business employers to post a job, according to Indeed Data US. Indeed also has a jaw-dropping pool of talent. In fact, three out of four US online job seekers search for jobs on Indeed each month, according to Comstore. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to sponsor your job post at Indeed.com slash always. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 offer. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence. The confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. All right, he joins us every single Thursday. Does it again this week. Not as many games as we're going to get to in the usual week, but we do have some conference champions. And Bear, I know you're really fired up about playing into some oh, of these games. I am. I mean, I am. Uh, I, I, I think the conference championship weekend and all these conference championship games are just terrific and fantastic, and uh, I, I hope they hang around for a long, long time. Because hey, I mean, we got people out there who think conference champions should be in the college football playoff. So if North Carolina and Purdue win, put them in the playoff, right? It's the way I see it, Bear. I think that's an automatic qualifier uh, to me. Put North Carolina in. I'm great with it. Shoot, put UTSA in. I don't care. Let's go. Let's take it all the way, man. Let's do it without question. I'm I'm good with whatever. 
whatever organization they want to make these games matter, I'm great with it. Uh, it doesn't matter to me whatsoever at this yeah. point. And the fun and the funny thing is that we, I mean, Friday night's game is really, well, I should say, the Big 12 game, the, the first two Power 5 games that are being played are the only two that really I find interesting. Like uh, Friday night, I think the playoff could be pretty much decided on Friday night. I think if USC wins, they're in. If USC loses, Ohio State's in. So I think the three undefeated teams are already in. So there really isn't a whole lot of drama this weekend. And by the time College Game Day goes on the air on Saturday morning, uh, we, we the the playoff will uh, likely have been decided. It'll be very interesting. There's a lot of uh, let's start. Let's start. Let's save the Power Five for a moment. Let's get to the Group of Five first before we get into the Power Five. Like I said, only a handful of games this weekend, so. Our breakdown will not be as long as it usually is. Uh, so let's start on Friday. This one, very interesting. North Texas and UT San Antonio. Now, this game was close the last time around. I happen to think it's going to be close again. UTSA is a eight and a half point favorite, opened at nine, steaming down just ever so slightly. I cannot justify laying north of a touchdown here, Bear. Now, the number makes me a little uneasy, but... Knowing this game was tight last time and knowing that Seth Luttrell's got a pretty good group that can run the football and Austin Ani's pretty good as well, I, I lean towards taking the points in North Texas. Yeah, it, it's rough to lay that many points in a game where you saw uh, in the regular season where the fourth quarter was completely nuts and there were 21 points scored uh, in the final two and a half minutes of the game after uh, it went, if, after the first half started uh, really in a slow manner. Uh, I think UTSA is the better team. I think over will probably be the play here because I think we've seen now the second half of that game, the fourth quarter of that game. That's probably more indicative of how this game will be played. I would not expect both defenses to kind of have their way early on like they did in the first regular season meeting. So if you're looking to play this game, I, I might I might go over the 66 and a half and, may, and maybe we get – Something like forty-two, thirty-five, something in, the, in that range, which uh, puts it over. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not. It looks like this number is going to uh, climb. I mean, there, there are a couple of nines out there, so that, I think it'll probably be nine, nine and a half by the time uh, this game kicks. So I'd, if you like UTSA, you play them now. If you don't want to, if you want to take North Texas, I'd wait because I don't think this number is going to come down. Yeah, I like that. What about Akron and Buffalo? Also. On uh, on Friday, obviously Buffalo in the event in which they lose. Now they're a thirteen point favorite right now. Uh, Akron to me, uh, you've backed them a couple times this year. I I don't know what their record is against the spread. It can't be good, but this might be the tightest spread I've seen involving an Akron game. Well, they got they got that they got that win last week against Northern Illinois. So I'm happy they right. did a uh, they did get that win. It's hard to imagine. Buffalo losing the game. Do I want to lay 11 and a half, 12 uh, where it is? Probably not. But I, I do think I'm going to be utilizing this game as a bit of a hedge um, against my North Carolina 20 to one ticket to win the ACC, because I don't want to, I don't want to lay $3 on Clemson on the money line. Uh, I'm going to look for a little something. So I'll probably wind up parlaying uh, this uh, Buffalo, Georgia, and then Clemson on the money line, and I think that's around like minus minus one twenty five or so, uh, and, and that makes a a hedge that much better against uh, 
my North Carolina ticket in case the Tar Heels do wind up pulling the upset. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to eat half of my uh, my profit potentially on a uh, on a money line on one game. But I, but I would look at uh, using Buffalo in a money line situation uh, if you're looking to parlay a couple of games because I don't think Buffalo with bowl eligibility on the line will lose. Yeah, I, I don't see how you lose. Not to Akron, not after they won last week in a bowl on the line type of situation. I just have a hard time seeing it. Let's go and stay in the MAC. Toledo and Ohio. Uh, this obviously will be played in Detroit. I, I for one love Toledo. Um, I, I just I don't like seeing that two and a half personally, and well, I don't like down the to one and a half. It's, it's down to one and a half. That's what I'm getting. Down, at. Uh, see, I actually, I actually would play Toledo at this number. And I think the reason the number is fallen so far to one and a half is we just don't know uh, the status of Taquan Finn, uh, Toledo's quarterback. If he plays, they'll win the game uh, 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 indoors uh, on, a, on a fast track uh, in what could potentially be a hard, a, uh, a game where Toledo's defense, uh, I think, might have some success uh, against Ohio without Rourke. But I mean, look, I get people who have a hard time playing Toledo right now or want to play Ohio just because of the uncertainty about Finn uh, starting for Toledo, but it really could wind up being a really good opportunity to buy low on Toledo because if it does give it, become known that Finn is going to play, this number is going to shoot right back up to three and a half or so uh, above a field goal. So if you're, if you're feeling a little frisky, Greg, uh, I can certainly get behind that play. Well, what I'm trying to figure out, Bear, is, I mean, Curtis Rourke's out for Ohio, mm-hmm. so they're on a backup quarterback, too. It's not like, I mean, if they're both backups are against each other, I mean, obviously, yeah, it matters the quality of the backup for sure, but I I mean, I, I kind of look at Toledo, I kind of like them overall better than I do Ohio, so I would lean towards Toledo regardless of the circumstances and Finn. I, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm the one taking crazy pills, but uh, it certainly seems like... That would be one that you might want to wait to find out the health of the yes. Toledo quarterback. Let's keep it in the group of five for the moment. Let's talk UCF Tulane. Uh, Tulane has been a great story all we all year long. UCF got the win last time around. Now Tulane's a four-point favorite. I know it's at home. I know it's down there in New Orleans. I like Tulane here. This, to me, feels a little bit like the national championship last year where Georgia was favored over Alabama in the SEC championship. Bama won the game outright. And then come back a couple weeks later, Georgia's favored over Bama again. And everyone's like, how the heck is Bama? How is Bama not favored? They beat them last time. Well, sure enough, Georgia not only won the game, but they covered in the national championship. So it feels a little bit similar in this situation. So I'm back in Tulane. How do you feel? I, if I had to play, like, I don't like the game. Uh, I would play UCF, I think, if I had to play it, uh, just because they've been so poor the last couple of weeks. And I think us Malzahn can now go into that locker room and be like, hey, look, forget about the last two weeks, uh, nearly blowing the game to South Florida, losing and looking awful uh, on offense to Navy. Uh, I, I think he's got an opportunity to kind of be like, hey, we win this game, there's a really good chance we're, we're going to wind up going to the Cotton Bowl. So uh, I think you've got that against – the Tulane team, which now knows Willie Fritz is staying. Right. So that's a big boost for them as well. So like, I don't love the game, but I, I would get behind UCF, I think, if you were in like one of those uh, pick and pulls or whatever. <laughs> hey, hey well, one question for you, though, as it, regard, it involves this game. Uh, 
Are if Tulane were to lose this game, are, are is the committee is, is is the public is the media whomever are they overlooking UTSA and Troy as teams that potentially should be the Group of Five representative into the uh, into the New Year Six? Because like, is it a given? Like, is it a certainty in your mind that UCF, if they win, should be that team? Like to me, Troy actually might have the strongest argument, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Troy, you lose your 10 and two, you have a good win against South Alabama. Who's also 10 and two South Alabama. One of those two losses was to UCLA and they lost on a last second field goal. Uh, so South Alabama is a good win. Troy also lost at the hands of app state who won on a hail yeah, Mary. Like, I mean, to me, Troy should have a much stronger argument over I, but the American has the branding. And if there's one thing I've learned, Bear, about this version of the committee, uh, I do yep. think they are influenced by the branding. I, I wish sure. they weren't, but this is the first one that I really feel like, all right, they, they're they looking at the at the brand. That's why Clemson continues to get propped up. That's why Clemson was propped up at four when TCU was seven. Um, that's why Washington's at 12 and Clemson is nine. I mean, this this group seems to kind of care about that and I wish they didn't but it certainly feels like they do have have you looked at Washington's schedule and looked at the teams that they want I mean look I had a Washington season win total over ticket before the year so like I, I man like, like how did they lose to Arizona State like <laughs> is that like the most like mind-numbing result of the I mean I think that if you're looking strictly at power five games I think Arizona State over Washington and Indi- Indiana uh, over Illinois their game over Illinois like the right. two like mind numbing results uh, of the year. Yeah, it'd be be hard to argue with either those either one of those. I mean, especially week two, Illinois was so good, right? For so long, especially early in the year, didn't quite play as well down the stretch. But you're right. I mean, that is I mean, Indiana's not great. <laughs> and Connor Basilak led the come led the win there and he's in the portal. So it's, <laughs> it's definitely mind blowing for sure. Uh, all right, let's put a bow on the group of five this weekend. Fresno and Boise. Um, well, yeah, you're difficult. A, a, a bow. There's, there's another game out there too. We're not done yet. You're talking about Southern Jackson state. No, coastal Carolina and Troy. Oh, well, what's the line on that? It's eight and a half. Across the I don't board. know how I skipped that one. Coastal Carolina, well, maybe, Troy, maybe, maybe you thought we were. Maybe you thought we were. So I brought up the group of five team, and you were talking Troy. So maybe you <laughs> figured we were talking about that game. But uh, yeah, I, I, the only couple of things I would bring up about that matchup are uh, obviously Jamie Chadwell been rumored uh, to go to USF. Right. So we'll see how that may or may not affect the game. And remember, last year Billy Napier was in this situation at Louisiana. And like they knew he was going to Florida, and they wind up winning the game. So I think a lot of times, like the coaching departure, could be a little overblown. And just be, I'm I'm hearing that that Grayson McCall is not necessarily ruled out of this game yet. Right. So uh, I, I I wouldn't necessarily say because this number I think opened up at like four and a half or five, and it has gone all the way up to eight and a half. It went to nine, I think, briefly. As well right. as people, I think, assuming the combo of maybe Chadwell not being there and McCall not being the quarterback, like that could be uh, just a massive edge for Troy. I'd just be careful if you're just assuming that Grayson McCall is not going to play because because I'm hearing he doesn't mean he's going to play, but he has not necessarily been ruled out. 
Yeah, I know that they're monitoring him closely uh, and will be all week. And his reps are somewhat limited, but it's not out of the total realm of possibility that he can tee it up. I would not feel comfortable laying that many points. Just just me personally, I wouldn't. Uh, let's go next to Fresno and Boise. I love what Fresno's done lately. Mm-hmm. I'm ta- I know it's on the Smurf turf. I get that. I'm taking Fresno. Jake Hayner, yeah. I'm not betting against Jake Hayner. Not getting points, no chance now that he's back after the injury earlier in the year. No, and I, and I think you need to look at Boise lately. They had that run in the middle of the year, and they did beat Fresno by three touchdowns earlier in the year when Hayner did not play. Um, well, you look at Boise's last four games. Um, you lose to BYU. You beat Nevada, who's the worst team in the league. Um, yes, you survive against Wyoming. The Utah State game, I mean, is the worst bad beat in the history of college football with Utah State having the ball with a chance to win at the 11 yard line. You can't even cover 18 points. Like, like that, that was brutal. So, like, I think even though this game is in Boise, I'm with you. I think Hainer. Uh, and, and, and with an opportunity to get revenge against a Boise team that beat them early in the year, I'll be taking the three of Fresno. I'm with you. It seems that way. All right, let's get to the Power Five. Let's start Friday night. Uh, Utah and USC. I already know what side you're going to be on based on where the number's at. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Utah is getting three in a championship setting. They have a championship pedigree. have been here before. SC's got all the pressure. I know you're on the Utes. How are we feeling? No, I, I am on the Utes, and, and I think as long as Utah doesn't dribble down their leg and and completely vomit all over themselves like so many teams have done this year, turning the ball over, uh, I think they'll win the game. I think they had the one turnover uh, going in uh, deep in USC territory in the first yep. meeting. Um, but, but typically, Utah is not a team that you're going to expect to turn the ball over a bunch and hurt themselves. Uh, I think Dalton Kincaid is a major matchup problem. He had a massive game in the first meeting. I think it was like 16 for for 240 or something like that. Right around obviously, there, yeah, 16 for like 234. Yeah, yeah. obviously Utah, I mean, USC is going to change their focus uh, defensively, I, w- I would think, or the game plan and try and take him away. That could open up some other things. Uh, I liked Utah in the first meeting, and the Utes obviously didn't cover the short number as a favorite. But I, but I do think here that uh, everybody I think is just assuming Caleb Williams has won the Heisman. Utah's going to USC is going to win this game, get in the playoff. I, I, I'd be careful because USC uh, away from home this year. I, I mean, I know people talking about Utah away from home is it, it, a different team, but but USC away from home, I, I don't think is any uh, any great shakes by any means. Sure, they blew out Colorado, but uh, well, that was in, that was uh, in. NSC, I should say, but the, the UCLA game was a field goal. Arizona Arizona game was a one-score game. The Utah game, they lost. Oregon State, they easily could have lost. Uh, the Stanford game was a high-scoring game where Stanford had multiple chances early on. So SC away from home has not been a, uh, a cinch by any means. So uh, I am going to take you. I am going to take the uh, the Utes plus the points and a little bit on the money line. I, I like that. Not a bad play at all. Probably be the side. Uh, I don't know if I'd do the money line, but if I'm getting three, I, I like the possibility of getting Utah in a situation like that. How about LSU and Georgia? You got LSU, who's going to be laying, or excuse me, Georgia, who's laying 17 and a half, mm-hmm. 18 in some places. 
I don't know how you can justify taking the points. I mean, LSU to me, I think had had their best for a long, long time. And finally, two of the last three weeks just haven't been at their best. Jaden Daniels has the ankle. Uh, I, for one, think his mobility is absolutely necessary when playing against a team like this that can come after the passer. I, I just don't think LSU is going to be able to hang in there. I expect them to get beat and beat convincingly. So what are your thoughts here? I do too. I, I do too. I think you look at Georgia in the last two years, they faced six top 15 teams that have not been named Alabama. In those games, they allowed 13, 3, 11, 13, 0, and 3. And they've won by an average of 24 points. Wow. You've got a, a hobbled quarterback on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I don't think – and all those games went under, by the way. Like, I don't think this game is going to be close. Uh, I think Georgia wins. Um, I think it's very convincingly uh, – convincing, I should say. I used the wrong, the wrong <laughs> term. I don't, I, don't, I don't want the – I don't my, – my sister might be listening, and she's an English teacher. You're so right. I don't, I don't want to be uh, – be yelled at for using the wrong the wrong uh, tense there in the in the verb or the adverb. So, I uh, I think Georgia wins this game uh, very very easily. Uh, trendy dog so far uh, is Purdue. A lot of people on Purdue citing, hey, it's a it's a letdown spot for Michigan. You know, Purdue's a dangerous team, veteran quarterback. I I for one don't see it. Like I, it's a big number and land 17's a handful. But man, Purdue to me is very human. They haven't seen a defense quite like this. I do think they'll get some points. I like the over of 51 and a half, but man, I don't know, Bear. This seems like to me a trendy dog for the for the Boilers. And it was the same deal last year where people loved Iowa for some reason. And the game was over in the in the second quarter. Right. At least Purdue, like you said, is capable of scoring points. But they're one-dimensional. They can't right. run. Like, and, but I think that's where it comes into play, where eventually they're going to be throwing from behind. Eventually they'll get either pass interference call or hit a big play, score right. a couple points. But I just ultimately don't know how many stops they're going to get uh, against Michigan and, and the way uh, Michigan's offense kind of opened up the playbook last week. As Harbaugh said, we emptied it. And uh, – they shown what they're capable of. I think they go out. I think they they deliver. A, I don't want to say fifty one three or whatever that game was last year, but I do think they went comfortably, and I do think over would be the side uh, that I would look at just because with Purdue throwing the ball, you're going to get some incompletions. You're going to get a lot of plays, clock stopped. So I, I think there is an opportunity for a lot of like garbage catch up points late. I'm, I'm with you. I, I just think. I think Purdue is one of those teams that's that's solid. I do like the over. I do. That's 51 and a half. I like that one. I feel good about the rest. I don't know. I'm not as convinced, but we shall see. Let's go now to the big 12 Kansas state and TCU. I like Kansas state in this spot bear getting two and a half. The line steamed opened at one and a half. Now it's up to two and a half. I like Kansas state. I think TCU is phenomenal, but I also think TCU is in one of those situations where they're probably in regardless of the result. And Kansas yeah, State, they, had this they ball might the not think that though, Greg. They, they, <laughs> they might they, not. They might not. You're right. I mean, I I I, I have a ticket on TCU, as I said, on, to win the Big Twelve. So I honestly have not handicapped this game a great deal because I knew going in I was just going to take Kansas State plus the points uh, for a, a little bit of a, 
a hedge uh, basically on, on my stake in that ticket. So basically I get a free roll. Maybe I thread the needle. Uh, who knows? But I, I kind of lean towards the under in this game uh, because I think we've seen TCU's defense the last couple of weeks uh, do a much better job. They've won those battles in the trenches. Uh, granted, it was against Iowa State, uh, Baylor, and Texas. But but at the same time, the Texas front defensive front is pretty good. So yeah. uh, I do think they'll do I think they've proven that they can uh, stand up in the line of scrimmage. Uh, I, I think you're going to see, obviously, a lot of a lot of Deuce Vaughn, and now with Howard healthy, uh, that certainly helps the K-State offense. Uh, you just can't help K-State turning the ball over like Kansas did last week. The muff punt on your own five-yard line right. gave Kansas an easy, Kansas State an easy score. Just don't do that, and you'll be okay. I think a lot of people are operating under the assumption that Kansas State will, will get revenge with the healthy quarterback. I'm not so sure, but like I said, I'm – my betting in this game has been done with the TCU to win the Big 12 ticket and a, a little bit of a hedge on Kansas State plus a two and a half. I love it. I love it. Let's finish up, Bear. Clemson, North Carolina. Line opened at eight. Now it's down to seven and a half. To me, I don't trust Clemson laying north of a touchdown. I just don't. Uh, I, I don't like what Carolina's done the last couple of weeks at all. Uh, I think they've really struggled and come back down to earth big time. But I also think at this point, it's like, man, shoot your shot. They got absolutely nothing to lose. I think Carolina keeps it close. I really do. I would take the points, and I have a feeling that that Carolina crowd is going to be pretty into it. A lot of Carolina folks there in Charlotte. And I know there'll be a bunch of Clemson folks too. But I, I really think Carolina, this might be the year where they make life really interesting for Clemson. Well, it certainly could. Uh, who would have thought the last two weeks that it would have been the North Carolina offense, uh, which ultimately cost them games uh, against Georgia Tech and NC State? Um, like, like, as I said earlier, it's hard for me to really get involved in this game. I think I would probably disagree with you and lay it uh, if I had to, uh, just because I just don't trust North Carolina to be able to stop Shipley and, and, and that running game, which might help keep the uh, the Carolina offense off the field. Like I said, I got that ticket on Carolina to win the ACC, so I'm going to probably be involved in like a Clemson money line, Georgia money line, Buffalo money line, uh, kind of as a, as a hedge against the stake of this ticket, giving me a, uh, a free roll on, on, a, on a North Carolina ACC title. But the, the biggest thing I'm curious about uh, in this game is, like, are we going to get – I mean, I pitched it for game day, and I wonder maybe the game will do a little something on an ode to the ACC Coastal. I mean, what what division has given us, given us more in college football over the last few years than the ACC Coastal? I mean, we can we can get the the Frank Beamer zero zero screen grab. There you go. Uh, we we can we can get the screen grabs of the of the four and four every team in the conference. We can get the preseason projection every year with Miami projected to win the Coastal <laughs> every year. I mean, the ACC Coastal has been the gift that's kept uh, kept on giving. So I think it needs to be given the proper. Uh, Respect and its due is we have a team playing as the final ACC championship game where we have the Atlantic and the Coastal. Uh, I love it. I think that's I think that's perfectly reasonable, Bear. And if anyone can make it happen, it's you, my friend. Thanks so much. I for don't joining know about us, that. Buddy. I got no juice. <laughs> you got all the juice, buddy. You got all the juice. Well, we appreciate it, man. You're the best. We look forward to talking to you. Preview some of these bowl games here in the next few weeks. Totally can't wait. It's certainly going to be. Uh, 
a very interesting couple of weeks. The one thing I would suggest is when in doubt, take dogs in the money line, and I'll have some numbers to suggest why you should do that. Uh, and the other, and the other thing I would suggest is just be very careful uh, unless you have very solid opt-out information, because I think we're going to see, as we have in the last couple of years, numerous people opting out for their bowl games, and that's certainly going to affect lines dramatically. No, there's no denying that, my friend. Great stuff. All right, looking ahead to Friday night action. The USC Trojans will try to punch their ticket against the team that punched them out earlier in the year. See what I did there? No, I'm just I'm just kidding. But seriously, SC, what a year. And just a phenomenal season in Lincoln Riley's first year. It's the first 11-1 start since 2008. And they started 11-1 that year. They finished 12-1, of course. They beat Penn State there in the Rose Bowl. So it's been a while since SC has had a season like this. It's been amazing. Lincoln Riley's 11 wins ties for the most by a USC head coach in his regular season debut, Howard Jones. He also had 11 back in 1925. Who doesn't remember that? And John Robinson did it back in 1976. So SC has had a historically great season, even by their incredible standards. What a fun season to follow. We all know that it's really going to come down to whether or not Caleb Williams plays at his best. He is likely to win the Heisman Trophy. Through 12 games, he's been ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous this year. 44 total touchdowns accounted for. He broke the school record of 41 previously set by Matt Barkley and Cody Kessler, who did so in 2011 and 2014, respectively. He also has over 4,000 yards of total offense on the season, which is second most ever compared to Sam Darnold back in 2017. So he has done an insanely great job already this year. And They've already played, right? Utah beat USC earlier in the season. You could make a case that that was as good of a performance as Caleb Williams has had all season. He was 25 of 42 in the performance, five touchdowns and nearly 400 yards. His total QBR that night was over 91. So yes, they lost, but it certainly wasn't his fault. If you look at just what he did, engineering an offense that had 556 total yards and still coming up short, by scoring 42 points, certainly wasn't the offense's fault. But when you look at what he had around him that night, Travis Dye was a factor in that game. He obviously will not be available here in the Pac-12 championship. The good news is Austin Jones has certainly found his way into the mix and becoming, uh, for lack of a better word, a dominant playmaker, a guy that matters so much to what USC does offensively and creating balance for who they've become. Of course, he's coming off of a career-high 154 rushing yards just last week against a Notre Dame team that's pretty dang solid for the most part against the run. So when you look at what Austin Jones has blossomed into, yes, they don't have Travis Dye. He was good in the performance last time around, but guess what? That was a night in which Austin Jones only had four carries. Expect that number to grow exponentially here in the second matchup of the regular season. The last time around... SC had a couple of receivers go over 100 yards. They had Mario Williams and Addison both went for 145 and 105 respectively. Addison had the touchdown and not to be outdone, Fallow, the fullback, H-back, what have you, he had a couple touchdowns as well. So it's really going to be interesting to see how much of USC's offensive plan 
is going to center around what they did last time around and what they had success with last time around against the Utes. Now, looking at how they attacked them last time, you're going to probably, this time around, probably see Caleb Williams be a little bit more improvisational. That's just who he's become these last couple of weeks. Not that he never had that. I mean, he had that, obviously, throughout the course of the year. But if you look at his off-schedule plays, first of all, they're impossible to defend. Second of all, he's almost done them uh, almost at a high, at a significantly higher clip the last couple of weeks than he had at the early point of the season was staying within the offense a little bit more early on. Now those unscheduled, those off schedule, those improvisational plays have become a bigger part of his game, which makes him all the more difficult to defend offensive line. Looking back at where they were when they teed it up the last time around. Remember this was the seventh game of the season when they played last time. So they've played five cents. I think the offensive line's about the same as they were last time around. They did fine. I wouldn't say it was a great performance by any stretch of the imagination. They gave up four sacks in the game. But part of that was because Utah did make some secondhand sacks. They didn't just completely get destroyed in protection, and Utah was just blowing and going. There were some pressures that they didn't account for, some secondary pressures they didn't account for, and they caught USC off guard from time to time. That is going to be paramount for SC to make sure they're really good with their mic identifications, to be make sure that they're really good when it comes to their running backs and their offensive line being on the same page. And also Caleb, to a certain extent as well, he's got to know, man, there has to be that internal clock that goes off from time to time, especially when playing against a team like Utah that's not afraid to throw the kitchen sink at you. Last time they had four guys register stacks several of which were actually in the secondary, including one in particular that you might find a little bit interesting. That's right, Cam Phillips, he had a sack in the game. He's a corner. So they're bringing corner cats in that one as well. So when you look at everything, that's going to be very important for USC to make sure they're very good in protection. For Utah, they need their senior quarterback and Cam Rising to play the best game of the season. He did so against SC the last time, threw for four fifth in the game against the Trojans. And what's most important, zero. He threw zero interceptions against the Trojans. That's massive because if you look at USC, they have prided themselves all season long on creating and forcing turnovers. Utah didn't keep a clean sheet in this game the last time around. They had a fumble and they lost a fumble, but they didn't turn it over more than that. Just one turnover in the game, that was... One of the lower points for SC, it seems like, on the season. So Utah did a great job of being smart with the football, being doubled over the football when carrying it, and they didn't put the ball on the deck but that one time, and USC did pounce on it, but ultimately it didn't make a huge difference. Cam Rising's going to have to continue to do that. And Cam Rising was their leading rusher in the game as well. Had 11 carries for 60 yards, including three touchdowns. You also remember the two-point conversion, critical two-point conversion. How'd they score it? Quarterback run. So they're going to have to be really smart when they're rushing the quarterback. There were several different occasions when SC came after Cam Rising, and they were aggressive and pinning their ears back and trying to penetrate, and Cam Rising being as crafty as he is, being able to kind of buy a little time and finding a way to escape. I would expect Alex Grinch to make sure that there's at least one spy on Cam 
rising at all times. He is their best football player. He will make plays. There is no denying that. And if they don't account for him, it's going to be significant. Another guy they need to account for as well is Dalton Kincaid. The guy the last time around was uncoverable. 16 catches for 234 and a touchdown. That's right. 16 catches, 234, and a touchdown. Y'all, we're talking about a tight end here. That's right. A tight end, a volume guy. You have got to. If you're USC on defense, you have to find an answer for Dalton Kincaid. He's going to get his looks. He's going to get his matchups. There's going to be plenty of situations in which he's going to create separation because of the amount of options that he has and the feel that he has for the position. But when you get in the red zone, when the field starts to condense, you better double cover Dalton Kincaid. If he's not double covered, I don't feel USC has done their job. That is of the highest priority because he's the one guy that I know without a shadow of a doubt that can beat me. Other guys that need to be accounted for, they have several solid wide receivers. They're going to spread the ball around. That's There's no doubt. But Kincaid is without question the guy you need to be paying attention to. And then finally, you must, if you're USC, you absolutely must maintain your composure in this game. Utah is a team in this particular situation that has nothing to lose. Utah learned the mistake a few years back. Remember, Utah was a game away from punching their ticket to the college football playoff. This was three or four years ago. All they had to do was win in the Pac-12 championship, and they were in. Unfortunately for them, they lost in that Big 12 championship game, and it really wasn't that competitive. It was back when Justin Herbert and the Oregon Ducks were able to knock them off. So remember, Utah has been on the other side of this. They learned from that experience, and they went out last year, even though a playoff spot wasn't on the line, they went out last year and left no doubt in the Pac-12 championship game. It is going to be of the highest priority for USC to compartmentalize the pressure, knowing they're going to get the opponent's best shot, who has absolutely nothing to lose. Compartmentalize the pressure and make sure that they're the attacker, not the one that's defending being attacked. If USC can stay aggressive, if USC can continue to empower their quarterback, and if USC can continue to be really good when it comes to taking care of the football like they have all year long, they will win. But if USC uncharacteristically puts the ball on the deck, if they uncharacteristically throw interceptions, and if Utah, Utah, the team that's been in this situation on several different occasions in each of the last few years, if they're the one that's throwing the haymakers, look out, this thing could get dicey. I think USC is going to get it done. I think they're playing their best football, and the performance last week is ultimately what changed my mind about the Trojans. I've liked them all year. I haven't loved them. Well, last year, last week in particular, watching them stand up to and bottle up a Notre Dame rushing attack that had been averaging nearly 200 yards a game, to see them bottle that group up and kind of keep them contained let me feel in a whole heck of a lot better about USC in the front seven. Now is a different challenge. They have to contain a quarterback who is elite when it comes to scrambling and making plays with his legs and with his arm and an elite tight end when it comes to creating separation. So a totally different approach when it comes to the quarterback, 
but not that different of approach when it comes to the tight end. Michael Mayer was that guy last week for Notre Dame. If you can apply some of the same principles you used last week to Dalton Kincaid, you might be able to have a little bit more success keeping him just a little bit more bottled up than you did last time. It won't be that hard. 16 for 234. That might be the opposite of being bottled up. So I think SC wins the game, but it's going to come down to the wire, and I expect it to be a great one on Friday night in Las Vegas. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. As you can see, I think the Pac-12 championship game is going to be awesome. I, I kind of like the idea of maybe taking the points. I do. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think Utah is a really good football team. I would feel a little better about taking the points if they were going to be playing that thing there in Salt Lake City, Utah. But either way, I think it's going to be a great game. I do. But I do think Utah's pedigree and their experience in a game like this could give them a little bit of a psychological edge. But either way, man, it's hard to pick against Caleb Williams, and I'm not going to do it today. I did it last week. I thought Notre Dame would take care of business. They did not. That impressed me as much as anything else that USC has done this year. I think they get it done, but I do think it's coming down to the wire, and I think it's going to be awesome on Friday Night. For all of us here at Always College Football, we really appreciate you being with us. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. And you can interact with the show on social media at AlwaysCFB. So let us know how you feel. Let us know some of your picks. And maybe if you throw us a question via our social media channels or our email at AlwaysCollegeFootball at gmail.com. If you throw us a question, we'll get that in the mailbag in a future mailbag segment, probably coming up early next week because when we don't have as many games we have to break down this weekend we're gonna have to start getting in the mailbag and we're gonna need your help to continue to answer some of those incredible questions keep it locked in here we'll update you on what's going on with the rose bowl we'll update you on what's going on with the coaching carousel because chips are starting to fall and we're gonna make sure that we try to keep you updated as best we can here in the days and weeks to come for all of us here at always college football For Mark Kubiak and Jack Foster, I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a wonderful day, and remember, it's always college football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.